Well, hello and welcome to Millennial, the season seven premiere. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Wow, so much happens over the past couple of weeks. No, but who could have ever predicted that things were going to go well. We finally did put 2020 behind us, so that's good. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 and Soul came out. We don't actually have plans to talk about those today. Um, Maybe another time. The internet fell in love with Bridgerton. Again, probably not going to talk about that today. Uh, Donald Trump found voter fraud. That was exciting. It was his own voter fraud, but he found it. Uh, Stimulus checks went out. The Capitol building was sieged by uh, Duck Dynasty and the KKK. Pence awarded Biden the presidency. Uh, The Georgia runoffs happened. Trump was kicked off Twitter, which was the best moment of my 2021. (laughs) And uh, gosh, so many other things. And by the way, concerning Trump being kicked off Twitter and the Georgia runoffs and that siege at the Capitol, we recorded breaking news installments about all three of those things. They are available to patrons depending on how much you are pledging. And one of them is actually open to everybody, whether or not you are a patron. So hit up patreon.com slash millennial for those. And by the way, thank you to our newest patrons, Nicole, Ashley, Sarah, Patty, Grant, Rita, Kirsten, Adriana, Zian, Taylor, Kyle, Shannon, Heather, Sem, and Noor. Wow, I just spoke for way too long. (laughs) What did you two do over your breaks? Uh, So I was kind of a sloth. I did a lot of self-care. And what self-care looks like for me is sleeping uh, and drinking a lot and partaking in other things a lot. Um, But we played some games. And actually, this is a game I want to recommend. It's called Little Hope. We've been playing on our PS4, um, but it's by the same people who did Man of Medan and Until Dawn. So if you're into horror games that um, allow you to define the story, depending on the choices you make, this will be a fun game for you. The whole premise is that it's the same group of people who are traveling throughout various time periods, and you're not really quite sure what it is that's causing that to happen, but you see them in various iterations, and somehow the timelines are all connected. I still don't know how because I haven't finished, um, but it's been really fun, and you can tell that they've made some improvements on like the mocap and things since they did Man of Medan, so it's a good Goodbye. It's only 30 bucks on the PlayStation Store. So when you said little hope, I was like, maybe you're playing this because you have a little hope for 2021. Is it about like having hope in the new year or something? But I guess not. Yeah, I don't know. 2021 came in and it was like, oh, you thought this was going to be better. That's cute. That's so cute. At the end of last week, after everything happens, um, I saw a great tweet. It was Friday night. And the person just said, and so concludes the first week of 2021. Like, I know, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> Same shit, different day. <laughs> oh, uh, another thing I have to mention, um, because I think Jemima will like fly over here and smack me if I don't say it. I finally listened to Folklore and Evermore and actually really enjoyed them. It's not typically my vibe or the thing that I would gravitate towards, but I found them to be really enjoyable listening experiences. I think I liked Evermore a little bit better than Folklore. I don't know, like, hopefully that's like okay to say and the Swifties aren't going to like rain down on me. (laughs) Um, But I really enjoyed it. I felt like it was kind of like um, the listening experience version of putting on a warm sweater. That's fitting considering (laughs) that the lead single off of Folklore was Cardigan and Cardigans are warm. So that works. (laughs) 
And Pam, what did you do over break? I didn't really do very much. I just also kind of slothed around like Laura, but I did finally get to meet my niece who was born in April. We have obviously been staying away because of the pandemic, but my brother really wanted to do like some kind of first Christmas for her. Our our whole family was not really together this year. There's like a lot of us. Um, And like, so my sisters are out in Hawaii because that's where they live. And it's just, it wasn't safe for them to travel. And my brother stayed in Portland because also not safe for him to travel. So it was basically just me, my one brother, my stepmom, and um, my brother's daughter And we all just, you know, took all the precautions and stayed out in the backyard. And it was really nice to finally get to meet her because it's it's been a long time coming. She was born in April. So you two mentioning you both did nothing for a lot of break. And of course, that's good over the holidays. You know, you should relax. And I tried to do the same as well. But I just feel like a piece of crap when I'm doing nothing. Like, I just get so bored. It's a it's an aggravating Mm. version of boredom. You know what I mean? I guess it's nice. Like, like, do you guys get... It's not like nothing. It's just like nothing of substance to report, you know? Yeah. Like, I walked my dog and stuff. <laughs> and I <laughs> went on that some hikes. But that's not like. Oh, okay. I feel like that's kind of like nothing, you know? Oh, it's something. I guess. <laughs> I love Andrew humble bragging over here. What He's did like, you do oh, over I break? I want to know about your can't relax. Uh... <laughs> No, what? Well, no, I mean, I was trying to relax and I couldn't. I'm so fucking bored. There's nothing to fucking do. I'm not trying to brag. Um, but I did go to, we did go to Sedona over New Year's. And that's, it's in Arizona. It's a very beautiful area. Boy, though, a lot of Trumpublicans in Sedona. Mm-hmm. There was a great coffee shop that we went to both mornings. And there was this group of Trumpublicans that clearly hang out there every morning and these guys were just openly talking about how dangerous the vaccine is going to be, how everybody who wears a mask is an asshole, while like everybody in there is a tourist and wearing a mask because they're not assholes. At one point, one of the guys is like, oh, I'm not taking that vaccine. Anybody who took that vaccine is going to die 10 years from now. I'm like, they, these are not things you should allow to be discussed in a coffee shop. Like if I was working there, if I was the owner Maybe I'd kick them out because they're just broadcasting all these aggravating thoughts. Yeah. And I mean, as a private business, it would be their right to do that, which is something right. <laughs> that we'll talk about a little bit later in the show today. So Sedona was nice other than that. Um, like I said, I was bored, but uh, I've gotten really into not only Jeopardy and the final episodes with Alex Trebek aired last week, but also Wheel of Fortune. And by the way, there is now Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, and the first episode had Leslie Jones and a couple other people. It was really, really good. And if you like Wheel of Fortune, you got to check out Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. It's an hour long, unlike regular Wheel of Fortune. Also, uh, Pat's parents both seemingly came down with COVID. And, oh, God. And he heard through the grapevine because they didn't want to admit it. They are the type of people who have been in denial about COVID, and they are refusing to get tested. Why? Oh, so so they can stay in denial. Exactly. Oh, My what about his is, grandma? Well, yeah. his. Well, guess what? His grandma got there sick, too? There was gatherings around Christmas. Okay. No, no, no. Gra- well, not That's yet. Good. <laughs> Hopefully she doesn't. But there were gatherings around Christmas, and then his mom started showing symptoms first, right after Christmas. This was after people all gathered, and now they're refusing to take to get tested because they don't want to be a statistic. They've been saying this whole past year, mainly his mom. 
and I asked permission to bring this up, by the way. I'm not just ratting on Pat's parents. Pat's mom has been one of these people who's like, the numbers are overblown. The deaths are overblown. You know, it's all overblown. She's one of these people who's refused to wear a mask. He's been really pissed. He's been texting her every day. Have you been tested yet? Good morning. Have you been tested yet? Good morning. Here's a photo of a hot air balloon. Have you been tested yet? Good morning. Here's a photo of a mountain. Have you been tested yet? And uh, she hasn't replied or Oh, my goodness. Gotten tested yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's ridiculous. Well, I mean, Pat's family isn't alone. Cases, of course, Mm -hmm. skyrocketed after the winter holidays. Um, It's not uncommon right now to hear about people whose families got together all having come down with COVID. I'm sure we've all heard of at least one instance of this happening and We unfortunately knew it was going to happen, but it's inevitable when people refuse to follow any sort of like baseline level of guidance. Yeah, it's it's really frustrating. The numbers have been higher than ever, but it's been kind of pushed aside because of everything that's happened over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Remember when 9-11 happened and we were all really sad that 3000 people died in a day was like national Mm -hmm. mourning forever. (laughs) And now it's like, ah, 4,000 every day. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Well, we also got a confessional uh, from someone about some New Year's Eve drama they had. Um, So she writes, I'm struggling like so many others with political division in my friend group. One of my best friend's husband's radical right wing views is ruining every good time we try to have together. I've been told by my husband and my friend that her husband is saying these things to get under my skin. So here we are, four years of hearing his ignorant comments and racist homophobic remarks over and over and over. And I snapped after he used a racial slur. I lost my mind. I don't know how many names I called him, but I do remember calling him an ignorant little bitch. (laughs) I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure I've effectively ruined all friendships involved. My confession? I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Sure, it sucks to lose a friend, but was he ever really my friend? Can his wife, my actual friend, call herself that if she hasn't told him once that maybe he needs to chill on the bullshit? I don't think so. I'm over it. Good for you. Yeah. 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 Good for you. I mean, there comes a point where you just break after dealing with this for four years. I I can't imagine how hard that is. I'm lucky that my brother-in-law, I never have to really see that uh, in front of me. I just see it on Facebook. And actually, speaking of that, my (laughs) brother-in-law, predictably, was very supportive of what happened at the Capitol last week. And it's sickening and so disappointing. He posted, this is all documented on one of the breaking news installments, by the way. I saw these posts as we were recording. He was posting these weird-ass photoshops of the uh, Mount Rushmore in a dark cloud floating over the Capitol. <laughs> and he was just so happy. He's In one, he said, uh, uh, 2021 is the new 1776, like batshit stuff like that. My mom made an angry Facebook post and he went into her comments and started saying, you're going to hate Biden when he's in the White House. And uh, this is just like what happened in Portland. And so my mom unfriended what? <laughs> her son-in-law, <laughs> which uh, I was very pleased by. And um, then, of course, when Trump got suspended from Facebook I was so excited by that news. That was before he was permanently banned from Twitter. 
I posted on Facebook and I haven't posted in over a year, well over a year on Facebook. So my first post in well over a year was, wow, Trump kicked off Facebook indefinitely. Republicans protest and leave Facebook forever. Thanks. And uh, well, I checked Randy's profile a few hours later because I was I was expecting him to make a bunch of posts in response to my posts like he has previously. And I was blocked. <laughs> from my brother-in-law's Facebook account. (laughs) You must be devastated. I'm so... I'm (laughs) devastated just because I can't see the batshit things he's posting anymore. That's a bit of a bummer. I thought you were going to say you were devastated you didn't beat him to the punch. No, because I'm above that shit. I'm not the snowflake (laughs) that he is. So, you know, I did put him on mute a while ago. I think I've said that on air. Uh, But I wouldn't unfriend or block him he didn't just unfriend he blocked me when i searched for his name facebook says not found wow (laughs) and like i said it's it's fine it's fine maybe he went and joined parlor oh wait (laughs) that's gone too (laughs) anybody who at that at this point wants to either you know be supportive or who is sort of supportive um through any kind of lack of action or statement um i'm not interested in healing with you i don't want to unify with you fuck you (laughs) so we will get to everything that's been going on in a second but first our first sponsor this year was a great idea late last year and still a great idea early this year love book Lovebook is a personalized gift that helps people express feelings that might be difficult to say out loud. It's also one of the most unique and heartwarming gift ideas imaginable, so it's perfect for Valentine's Day. Most customers use a lovebook to revisit their fondest memories or to list the reasons why they love someone. Lovebooks are completely customizable, though, and you can use them however you like. You get to create the characters, what they're saying, and all the details on each page, but it's not overwhelming because they have tons of templates you can start with. Every love book is custom and unique and a gift most people have never received. It is great for someone who already has everything. Plus, the book is a little selfish, honestly, because they are really fun to create. So you're going to enjoy this as much as the recipient is. In fact, I encourage you to check them out right now and get started on your book. You can make the whole book for free, completely free. Once you see the finished product, you're going to whip out that credit card because you're going to be like, dang, I really want to give this to the special person in my life. And speaking of that, these books are about the same cost as getting flowers delivered, but way more clever. As a nerd, I am just obsessed with the tech behind this. The fact that you can create a beautiful real book that only exists for your loved one, incredible. Please check them out. You will not regret it. And Lovebook is a gift for anyone you care about. Your parents, children, partner, best friends, even a teacher or somebody who blocked you on Facebook. Whether you want to use them for Valentine's Day or not, the recipient of your Lovebook will love it no matter when they receive it. Visit lovebookonline.com slash M-I-L-L to receive a special 20% discount only for our listeners. Again, that's lovebookonline.com slash M-I-L-L, the most unique gift Check it out. Make that book for free and then order it because you're going to be really impressed. And so is the person who is going to receive it. We have to revisit the terrorist attack on the Capitol that happened um, late last week. We are in the middle of last week. Excuse me. We did a breaking news installment on this, which, as Andrew mentioned, is available to the public. So if you want to hear our initial reactions to the insurrection sort of in the hours you know, after it began happening, you can head on over to patreon.com slash millennial to hear that. But 
The reason we need to revisit this this week, and we're going to spend a good chunk of time on this, is that the attack on the Capitol was much worse than we initially realized. Um, Of course, there's never any way that we could sit here and have a discussion about like, it wasn't that bad, or it could have been worse. It definitely could have ended up worse. Um, But it was terrible, I think, because, and this is where we can start with this, there were apparently members of the Capitol Police who were in on this. There's footage Mm -hmm. that has captured certain members of the Capitol Police moving barriers out of the way to allow um, these white supremacist terrorists entry. There's footage of them taking selfies with people inside of the Capitol Rotunda. There's footage of them calmly and um, gently escorting people down the stairs of the Capitol when they were looking to leave. And it should be forcing people to reconsider any preconceived thoughts that they had about police forces in this country not having affiliations with white supremacist groups. Like, obviously, we're not saying that every police officer is a white supremacist or has these affiliations, but there are certainly enough of them in plenty of places of power to allow something like this to happen. Well, they might also be as mentally ill as these people who stormed the Capitol. They might genuinely believe that the election was stolen and that Trump should have won. And they wanted to see this riot. They wanted to see this disruption of democracy taking place. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I would necessarily apply the term mentally ill. I think it's ignorance and radicalization. And there are definitely guilty parties that we can look to to explain why these people were so easily uh, radicalized. And of course, that stops that starts at the very top with Trump. But there are, of course, mm-hmm. multiple members of Congress who have fed into these conspiracy theories. And um, yeah, I mean, the Republican Party as a whole is really trying to be standoffish from this. I mean, of course, initially, um, you had multiple like 120 members of Congress signing on to this ridiculous letter to the Supreme Court saying that they supported the state of Texas. And as soon as these white supremacists showed up at their door, as soon as they showed up at their house with zip ties and weapons, with plans to do all sorts of insidious things to them, that's when they started backing off on these claims and realizing what they'd done. But at the same time, they don't seem to want to come out with any sort of condemnation of the viewpoints that got them to this point. Mm -hmm. But it was really disturbing to me. And like I said, we find out new information all the time. Um, But first of all, one officer who, by the way, was a Trump supporter himself, um, but who was doing his job of trying to protect the Capitol building, was brutally beat to death by the Mm -hmm. mob. And there was another video of a police officer getting crushed in between yes. cops, a door, and the mob. Yeah, so much for the back the blue party. I know. They they love the police and they love law and order until the police are getting in the way of democracy. It doesn't make any sense. But then you think about, like, there was also the footage of the, um, the black police officer who was being chased up the steps. And then multiple reports later saying that there were still Congress people, like, in 
the room like they had not evacuated everybody so he did his best to lure them away that could have been so much worse yeah you know yeah so that um, because look at what they did to police who are already in a position of authority who have more power than the average person that lives in america and if they didn't think twice to be police officers that didn't agree what would they have done if they had actually you know come face to face with somebody that's actually in office yeah exactly and um the name of that officer is eugene goodman the black officer you were speaking about. So if you watch that video carefully, you can actually see the moment where he looks down towards the Senate chamber and realizes that the doors are not barricaded. So he actually shoves the leader of the mob chasing him in order to provoke him and get them to continue chasing him away from the Senate chambers. He is a hero. And it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is a fucking hero and he deserves so much for that because These people weren't just here to infiltrate the Capitol and have like a sit-in or something like that. Um, They built gallows outside of the Capitol building. They were chanting, hang Mike Pence. One of them reportedly had exchanged a number of text messages and had come prepared with the ammunition to shoot Nancy Pelosi. There's, they had zip ties they had to zip arrest ties. people? Yes, exactly. So they thought that they were like some fucking 1776 The Patriot type bullshit rolling in there. Um, but it was still incredibly scary. Mm-hmm. And every day we find out more about this. I, the more terrifying, the more shaken I am by it. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't be. Um, but we found out, for example... The National Guard wasn't prepared for this ahead of time. Only 340 National Guardsmen were activated, um, but they weren't armed and they were only allowed to act in supporting roles like traffic duty. So even though this attack had been planned openly on the Internet for weeks ahead of this and they knew they were coming, it seems as though the Capitol was left deliberately unprotected. Yeah. And right, then, like where was the FBI? But I feel like we talk about this too in terms of like mass shootings as well. Mm-hmm. You know, where where there's like um you can follow like a paper trail behind for, you know, some tragic events that have happened, but it, I don't know. It's kind of baffling that nobody in power is or is either on it or they just choose to turn a blind eye even when it comes down to you know something happening to elected officials. Well, and Trump wanted, he enjoyed watching all this unfold. I mean, it was reported he was watching it all on television. He didn't call Pence to check on him when Pence was in lockdown. He didn't call in the National Guard. He had to be talked into calling the National Guard. It was reported that Ivanka, or sorry, Mark Meadows tried to get to him, tried to talk to him. Hey, we need to send in the National Guard. They need help. Trump didn't want to. Mark Meadows had to call freaking Ivanka to get Ivanka to talk Donald into it. I mean, you know, there wasn't a lot of security because a lot of security wasn't ordered and Trump wanted this to happen and nobody seemed to push back. Maybe they're all hoping that the mob wouldn't storm the Capitol, but they did. No, I think they were hoping they were 100 percent. I remember Trump was hoping that, but I don't think a lot of other people were. It is hard to try and not be cynical about it, isn't it? Especially when you, you know, start looking at some of this footage, like, for example, police moving barriers Mm -hmm. and waving people in. Right. Like you haven't been able to walk up into the Capitol like that since 9-11. <laughs> like you can't. Yeah. No, do the that. security was 
such a joke. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people have stepped down in light of this. As and they should. So, and hopefully this is never going to happen again. I don't know. I'm very nervous um, because as I'm sure people have seen this passed around a lot on social, but failed coups are often uh, followed by successful ones. And my fear is that this was a test run to see how far they could get. And I think they actually got a little farther than they thought they were going to. I think they were actually far more successful than they thought they were going to be for this first round. And it makes me very nervous for the inauguration. There's also the fact that the FBI warned as of the recording of this episode um, that armed protests are planned at all 50 U.S. state capitals in the days leading up to the inauguration, as well as another armed protest at the nation's capital at some point between the 16th and the 20th. So yeah, we Stay are home. Not, That's terrifying. We are not beyond this. Um, what's frightening to me is that very few arrests happened in the moment um, because the police and the Capitol Police were so underprepared. Most of these people were able to just up and walk out of the Capitol and not be arrested. They, of course, ended up making some arrests later due to curfew concerns. And they got a lot of the key players, like the guy who had the van with explosives parked a couple of blocks down from the Capitol, um, the guy who stole Nancy Pelosi's lectern and had that iconic picture <laughs> of him waving. Hey, everybody. Yeah. I have the lectern. Man, if that's not white privilege, Jesus Christ, like you're yeah. you're openly displaying that you are participating in property, federal property damage and looting, which they love to complain about. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> there's obviously a lot that has happened sort of in this sphere related to all of this happening is, of course, why Trump started being banned from all the socials. Woo! I don't think there's a single social he can exist on anymore. <laughs> well, Parler would have been one, but Parler has since been taken down. Yeah, so he's banned from Facebook, at least through the inauguration. It might be permanent. Uh, Twitter, permanent banned. Facebook, same deal as, uh, or sorry, Instagram, same same deal as Facebook. He's off TikTok, Shopify, Spotify. I don't know. Well, like, what's, let him be on Spotify. If he wants to make some playlists, like, okay, you know, who cares? I saw somebody who was like, they can't let him on Spotify because he's going to listen to Eye of the Tiger and get too amped. <laughs> he's off Reddit, Twitch, Snapchat, but Snapchat blocked him months ago. Uh, mm -hmm. Discord, Pinterest, and Stripe, which is a payment processing service. Um, and then, of course, there was Parler. And this has been the big, uh, you know, freedom of speech social network. Mainly conservatives are over there. But there's been a lot of organizing over there as well. Um, there's been a lot of planning these insurrections over on Parler. There's been a lot of horrific talk about shooting Nancy Pelosi and other things, you know, just really, really bad stuff. And uh, Amazon, which is one of Parler's hosts, said, we're not going to host you anymore. You got to find somebody else unless you can start moderating your content. Apple, the Apple App Store and Google's App Store said the same things. Apple gave Parler 24 hours to comply. <laughs> they said on a Friday night, hey, put in a moderation team. You have 24 hours. Of course, that did not happen uh over the weekend within a 24-hour time period so now parlor is not on the internet and not on the big app stores they're effectively shut down right now it brings up interesting conversations about free speech trump absolutely 
This was the right decision by Twitter and these other social networks to take him down. 100%. He was inciting violence, period. He was going to continue to do it. Even after those dumb little vid- videos he recorded, he was going to return to being same old Trump, whether it was before the inauguration, during or after. Even months from now, we all know he was going to get back into the his same old shit. So it was a very good idea for Twitter to uh, place a lifetime ban on his account. And hopefully Facebook will do the same thing. But here's the thing. You can approve of what Twitter and others have done to Trump and still be concerned about the power that these companies wield. Yeah. It is a little frightening that Twitter has so much power and Facebook and all these others. You know, the right is talking about big tech right now. They got too much power. They're not wrong. Elizabeth Warren talks about this a lot as well. We got to break them up. It's true. But in this particular case, what they did was right. Yeah. And I think that you hit the nail on the head when you said that Trump was inciting violence, because contrary to what some might think, inciting violence is not protected under the First Amendment and under free speech. It's like the classic example if you yell fire in a crowded movie theater, what do you think is going to happen? Right. It does not give you a, it's not a hall pass. You know, the First Amendment is not a hall pass for you to do whatever you want. It does protect a lot, but yeah, I don't think it protects as much as people think that it no. does. I mean, the whole point is it, it protects you from being censored by the government. And if you think Twitter is the government, then you should probably go back and take civics because that is false. Right. Um, but Pam, you had brought up a great point before we recorded is uh, that there were a lot of references to 1984 and George Orwell. And I was wondering if you had any <laughs> thoughts there. <laughs> yeah. So I, some of you, most of you probably noticed that 1984 and the term Orwellian were both trending on Twitter over the weekend as a direct result of a lot of people on the right crying censorship, uh, which, you know, again, censorship is something that we should be taking seriously. You know, that is dangerous, but it also kind of sort of misses the point of the idea of 1984, which really means that, you know, they maybe need to go back and take some English classes <laughs> because um, a lot of these terms get thrown around and, and they don't really correlate to what the, the root of the novel really gets to, which is this idea that the government is feeding false information that in turn brainwashes, you know, an Hmm. entire population. I wonder what current event might better be represented by that. (laughs) (laughs) It's but yeah, it's fucking killing me right now. Like every time I see somebody be like, this is 1984. Welcome to 1984. I'm just like, oh, my God, please go back to high school for God's sake. And also. They're also talking like Trump no longer has a place where he can go to spread his message. He has a press room in his house currently. No, he can go on Fox Nobody News. Nobody remind him. He can go <laughs> and do a newspaper interview, but he doesn't want to take questions right now. His team is probably talking him out of these ideas because if he goes on camera right now, he's going to cause a million more problems but then that'll really be 1984 because he'll be falsifying more information right right but you know but that's why he loved twitter so much and that's why this is so great i think i said this during breaking news as well that was the one place he could go and speak unchecked anytime any day any place he goes and tweets nobody can stop him if he wants to issue a press release if he wants to do an interview there's people around him who are going to stop him nobody's going to stop him from tweeting because they're not in his bedroom when he's watching Fox and Friends at 5 a.m. It was also interesting to watch the whack-a-mole that Twitter had to play because he started popping up 
on other accounts. Like he first tweeted from the POTUS account and they had to shut that down. And then he tried to tweet from his campaign account and they shut that down. And then I guess there was some kind of campaign surrogate who lent his account to Donald as well. So yeah. for a while, Twitter was just like, no, get the fuck out of well, here. And and have you seen these parody accounts of like oh. Donald Trump in oh disguise? God. John Barron. The one I'm liking. <laughs> yeah, John Barron. It's Barron John 1946. That's the Twitter handle. Um, Is that the one with the mustache in the profile? Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. uh, Hold on. Let me pull up his first tweet. Um, His first tweet, and this was like an hour after he was kicked off Twitter. Hello, I am brand new to Twitter. What are you guys up to? No question mark. (laughs) Uh, And that account gained so many followers. It had like over 250,000 followers by Friday night. And I believe (laughs) that name... John Barron or Baron John, that was the same fake name he gave as like his agent when he did a phone call as his agent. He would, yeah, right. He would do interviews with the media as somebody yeah. named John Barron, <laughs> uh, like representing himself. Right, right. Oh, I missed that. There's just too much to keep up with. This was like 20 years ago, but it was reported, <laughs> okay. oh, of course, okay. during it, his presidency. It. Yeah. But we can't leave this conversation without explaining all of the people's reputations who deserve to be trashed and all of the people who deserve to be unemployable after this, plus some of the people who deserve to go to fucking jail after this. Um, So there have been multiple cabinet resignations, just like rats jumping off a sinking ship. Guess what? You're still a rat. Um, There's been talk of the 25th Amendment. Uh, apparently, a couple of days ago, Pence was still undecided about what he was going to do, but more recent chatter seems to indicate that he's not going to do it. Um, the Democrats actually introduced an article of impeachment for incitement of insurrection today on the day the show is recording, and the vote is expected on Wednesday, um, which I'm all about. I know that there's been a lot of people out there um, sort of like explaining whether they think the 25th Amendment or impeachment would be a better approach. I say, why not both? (laughs) We can get him out of there and we can still um, impeach and indict him for what he's done. But I wanted to get y'all's take on this because Republicans have been saying that this would be a bad idea as it would further divide divide the country. country. (laughs) Well, then Trump shouldn't have divided the country if he didn't want to divide the country. It's pretty pretty much that simple. He needs to be impeached because he needs to be made an example of. We can't say it's okay to uh, send a mob into the Capitol. This is pretty simple. And the House absolutely has the votes for impeachment. So he will be impeached a second time, which is a first in U.S. history. Oh, he'll love that. He likes being first. (laughs) Whether, Whether or not he'll be convicted in the Senate is yet to be seen. And that's where I'm starting to get a little pissed off. There are certain members of the Democratic Party who are implying that the Senate should wait to convict until after Biden's first 100 days. Uh, And I call bullshit on that. I know that Joe Biden wanted to come into office um, sort of in a new age of unity and healing, but we're not fucking there yet. There needs to be accountability for what was done. Half of Congress came very close to being assassinated last week. So no, we're not in a place to say, well, why don't we just hold off on this so I can start on some of my preferred 
um, agenda items. That's just not right. how this is going to work. Um, and I think that if we do not come down swift and hard on these people, it will happen again. Yeah, I I agree with that. And it's a bummer that we can't start uh, off Biden's term uh, with a clean slate. But this is what happened. And we have to deal with it. Yeah. And every single one of these people who infiltrated the Capitol deserves to be punished to the fullest extent of the law. There are certain members of our Congress who deserve to be removed, and there is a tool for doing that. I would recommend reading Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. It outlines how Congress can have a simple majority vote to expel members who have participated in insurrection against the Constitution that they swore to defend. Looking at you, Cruz and Holly, you guys (laughs) suck. People are starting to call him Ted Koo. Which yeah. I think is very clever. It's very Ted accurate. Kuh. And I'm glad yeah. this is starting to blow up in his fucking face. It's taken too long. I wonder if he likes that better or worse than the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> we could talk about this all day because there really is so much to dig into and there's so much yeah. fucked up about this. I'm sure we're going to learn more about it in the weeks mm-hmm. ahead. Um, and I can definitely get up on my soapbox at that point. But <laughs> <laughs> I also just wanted to take a beat here and remind ourselves that we're still in the middle of a global pandemic. Um, And vaccines have started. It's slow progress. I think there's only like 6 million people vaccinated in the U.S. so far. I know in my state of Georgia, it's only like 150,000. But I just wanted to check in and see, do we know what phase of the vaccination process we're going to be in in each of our states? Well, I see you're 1C. Yeah, I think. Okay. I'm one DK, meaning I don't know. I don't know what phase I'm in. And I tried oh. Googling it. There were no answers. So I have no clue. I'm I'm just at this point, I'm just prepared to like get a vaccine in like July or August. I'm not getting my hopes up by any stretch of the imagination that I'm going to be getting it any sooner. That makes me feel better because I have no clue either. And I thought I was the only one on this panel that did not know because I'm also just assuming that it'll be towards the end of the year. And that's fine. Like I would prefer it to go to... You know, like my grandparents first, for example. Right. Yeah, Pam exactly. was like, damn, Andrew's in 1DK? I wish I was <laughs> <Yeah>. in 1DK. <laughs> what is 1DK? <laughs> I know some of our listeners have gotten it. I've seen posts in the Facebook group, people sharing that they were vaccinated. And that's great that you're spreading the word. So good on you for posting pictures, being like, I'm vaccinated. I'm A-OK. Everybody's got to do that. That's got to be the hot trend of 2021. Yes. Oh, my God. Everybody's going to have a vaccine selfie or they're going to put up a picture of their vaccination card. It's the new I voted sticker. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Oh, I'll do it, too. I'm ready. Well, we've got some pop culture news ahead. But first, we have a quick word from one of our sponsors, Third Love. 2021 is your time to shine. So focus on what makes you happy, starting with better bras and underwear. Third Love uses millions of measurements to design bras with all-day comfort and support. Every Third Love bra is made with signature memory foam cups, no-slip straps, and a scratch-free band. And these amazing bras are available in more than 80 sizes, from cups AA through I and bands 30 through 48. Not sure about your size? Take Third Love's online fit finder quiz to find the size and styles that are right for you based on breast size and shape. And they stand behind their products. So if you don't love it, returns and exchanges are free. I'm in love with the 24-7 Perfect Coverage bra because it manages to be supportive and comfortable, but you really can't go wrong with any of their style offerings. 
Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering our listeners 20% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash millennial to find your perfect fitting bra and get 20% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash millennial for 20% off today. So I saw a story that I found pretty frustrating. So first of all, Lucasfilm, they're the company, they're the studio behind Star Wars. A Lucasfilm exec had appeared to make fun of a Star Wars fan getting emotional over the end of Mandalorian season two. What happened? Yeah, Laura's like, the fuck? So what happened was there was this popular Star Wars YouTuber who made a video in which he's watching the final episode of season two. And it's a big one. There's a huge twist at the end. And when that twist happens, the YouTuber begins to cry on camera. And, you know, that's sweet. If you're a big fan, you're like you, you recognize that the fan is feeling a lot of emotions in this moment. So after the video was posted, this Lucasfilm exec, Pablo Hidalgo, tweeted the video with a comment that read, emotions are not for sharing. He started getting backlash. What the he fuck? Apologized. <laughs> he apologized. He claimed the comments were sarcastic self-mockery, which I don't understand what that even means. It's frustrating because it's an example of how franchises are run by people who actually do not get these fandoms. And why should you be able to work at a place like this where fans are so passionate if you don't get it? Your business is successful because YouTubers are crying over you-know-who coming back at the end of a TV series or during a movie. You know, this is why we buy the merchandise. This is why I have a Baby Yoda Funko behind me and other Star Wars merchandise. Like, this helps your bottom line, these emotions. I just do not understand how higher-ups have no connection to the content that they're working for. And really, if you have feelings like this, you shouldn't be working at a Lucasfilm or a Harry Potter or Marvel. Exactly. It it kind of feels like this executive was communicating to the world that they think Star Wars fans are lame. That's what it feels like. And it's like, man, that for something, especially for something like the Mandalorian, that's really been a labor of love. And, you know, I'm not a hardcore Star Wars fan, but I know for a lot of people who are, they feel like given some of the recent moves in like the Star Wars cinematic universe, the Mandalorian has been representative of true Star Wars and that the people who are working on it actually get it. And so Mm -hmm. then to have somebody react to a moment like this that really sent shockwaves through the fandom and through the internet is just in poor taste and they should probably reconsider their place of employment. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And I know that this is um this is about Star Wars and that's fine. But um it is a larger issue. This is something that I think comes up every once in a while. This idea that like we shouldn't feel things or feel so passionately about the things that we love specifically women and young girls are constantly torn down for the things that they're passionate about and that really needs to stop because if like something that you love so deeply isn't hurting anybody like being in love with star wars or harry potter or marvel or like i don't know harry styles it 
it shouldn't matter, you know, and we really need to get to a place in society where we don't put other people down for the things that they're passionate about. Yeah, agreed. A later topic, you can file this under everything is fake. I found out that people are buying books wholesale from a company called Books by the Foot, specifically for their home office background so they can look like they're smart. You know, when you watch CNN or MSNBC and you, you get they bring up a Zoom video and somebody's in their office and they got all these books behind them and you're like, wow, they are so well read. <laughs> they are such smart people. Well, in a lot of cases, those bookshelves have been faked. They've been bought. You can go to this company, Books by the Foot, and this company prior to the pandemic, they were supplying books for studios or um, Hollywood productions. But now they've expanded to Zoom back Zoom backgrounds, people's homes, because so many people are working from home now and they're on camera at home. You can do things like you can you can order 12 feet of books about progressive politics and then they'll grab all these books. And by the way, they're all used. So that's good. These books are being repurposed and they'll send you 12 feet of books to fill your bookshelves. So just a word of warning now, when you see these people from their home offices and you see all these books behind them, they may not have actually bought those books themselves for the purposes of reading them. (laughs) They could be there just to look smart. I wonder (laughs) if this is a good deal. Because I mean, if... I can get 12 feet of books for a cheap price, then, you know, I'll actually read them. Yeah, I don't know what the prices are like. I assume there's a premium because they're curating these books for you. You know, they want to make sure they're picking good books because somebody's going to be watching at home and they're going to notice, oh, they have a book from, uh, I don't know, somebody questionable from Rush Limbaugh. Uh, yeah, what true. the hell is up with this person? I, I don't pretend like I read. I just have Funko toys behind me because I'm a child. <laughs> But that adds, that's like your personality, not the child yeah. part, but it yeah. shows like your interests. Right. You know? Pop culture. Yeah. But I was wondering if you guys, you know, let's say you started appearing on CNN and you're like, I need to call up books by the foot to get some books behind me. So I look smart. What type of genres would you request? Lots of fiction, lots of memoir. I love memoirs. So I'd probably Mm. request that. Lots of stuff by David Sedaris. I would be okay if I had a whole shelf dedicated to David Sedaris. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone would be like, wow, you really like David Sedaris. Mm -hmm. Or you could, I mean, honestly, can't you just make a Zoom background rather than spending money on all these books? Can't you just get. But then that's not real. How are people going to know? People can, you can tell it's, it's like a green screen. Like a TikTok. Nobody's going to know. <laughs> How would they know? <laughs> That's really funny. Would you guys kind of feel bad about this? It's kind of an ethics issue. Like the books behind you imply that you've read these books. Yeah. And you endorse well, these books. Okay. Like I have books on my bookshelf that I haven't read yet, but the, it's like on but a TBR to. side of my bookshelf. Right, yeah. exactly. So I guess like the whole shelf is TBR for these people. Yeah, it's false <laughs> advertising. It is, it is. Yeah. If, you're, in a, if yeah. you're somebody that's on air, it's because you're considered an expert in something. And I think that that's what makes it feel icky, you know, right. that they probably have not read a single book on that shelf. Like I have a lot of reference books on my shelf, like, you know, um, like the elements of style by Strunk and White and the like three copies of the AP style book, because, you know, you need a few different years. Um, But I've definitely read those. Yeah. 
So uh, in case you guys want to shell out more money for streaming services, uh, Peacock has been around for a while. But now that The Office has left Netflix, you might be looking to switch over to Peacock just so you can binge your favorite comfort show. And I just thought that this was really funny because as soon as The Office was moved over, Peacock adjusted their uh, plans to reflect how much of The Office you could watch based on what you wanted to pay. So I thought that was like a really good marketing ploy, but it also kind of <laughs> feels a little weird. So if you don't want to shell out any money, which understandably so, because we're all probably spending way too much on streaming services, you can watch seasons one and two only in the free tier for Peacock. Uh, but if you want to watch every episode, you have to shell out $4.99 a month. Uh, and if you want to watch every episode without ads, like you used to be able to do on Netflix, then you have to pay $9.99 a month. They also have some interesting office features. They have extended cuts of the episodes. And I've actually heard a couple of reviews about those episodes. Apparently, they're really good. There's also mm -hmm. the Office Zen 24-7 channel. I assume that just means they're playing random episodes of The Office 24-7. They know a lot of people are coming to Peacock because of The Office. People are addicted to that show. I think I've mentioned on the show previously, my parents, two episodes every night on Netflix. That's what they would do prior to the office leaving for Peacock. I think it's pretty funny that they're leaning into this and you go to the Peacock website. And when you look at the plan breakdowns, they're like, here's how much office you'll be getting for each of these plans. Well, they paid a lot to get it back. So I guess they need to make up that money somehow. Yeah. You know, if I was an office super fan, I would, I'm split between just buying like, the complete box set on Blu-ray or just getting Peacock. The thing about Blu-ray is got to put the discs in. Blah. Or I guess you can buy the digital versions of the show as well. I just think about if you're spending $4.99 a month or whatever, how you're spending hundreds of dollars every year just to watch the same show that you've seen a million times. I mean, if that's your jam, go for it. Like <laughs> it, the world is such a dumpster fire right now that I'm really I'm trying not to knock people for the things they like as long as they're not hurting anyone to Pam's point but financially it doesn't make sense to me people are just addicted to the show you know they like having it on in the background we've spoken about that before Pam yeah. loves what friends Gilmore Girls um I, I do love friends but yeah Gilmore Girls is like my comfort show I think for sure yeah anything I've seen before that makes me feel good I, I it's nice to have on even like how I met your mother even though the ending is controversial it's just something that you don't really have to pay too much attention to and I agree on that but I guess my question is if uh Netflix sold Gilmore Girls to another streaming service would you like, say it was set up exactly the same as how The Office has been set up on Peacock. Would you pay for that? I think that I might wonder if it's time to buy them on like yep. a digital box set. Yeah. So the, you got to work hard, uh, smarter, not harder. <laughs> yeah. So The West Wing is my comfort show. It's the show that I revisit um, all the time. And for a while, it looked like, well, there was a while where it looked like it was going to leave Netflix. It recently has left Netflix. Um, but when it looked like it was going to leave Netflix, my mom got me the box set one year for Christmas just so that I could always have them. Um, now it's on HBO Max, so I can still watch it there if I want to. But um, if it ever goes away from my preferred streaming services, I have a backup. Um, I can't see myself paying for another... Um, streaming service just to watch one show. This is also a timely topic because there is a popular tweet that went around over the weekend. What's your comfort show that isn't Friends, 
Gilmore Girls, The Office, etc. <laughs> like, what are the other ones? And uh, I don't have a comfort show. Maybe that's why I'm so miserable. I need a comfort show. Like, I've Is watched Breaking, Breaking Bad. Your comfort show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's the one show I've watched like three or four times all the way through. Maybe Downton Abbey. I don't know. I just don't watch a show on repeat. Andrew's like, I don't have a comfort show. I only have Bruce Springsteen live concert edition. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. that's my Under comfort. My computer. Yeah, what about I mean, um that... SVU? I know a lot of people I love like rewatching Law and Order SVU. I've been I've actually been meaning to get back into that show and that feels weird to call a comfort show because it's about very horrific crimes but it's a very good show nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, Boy Meets World is another one of mine too. Yeah, it's people are mentioning like... Grey's Anatomy, Golden Girls. Mm -hmm. And again, I I love this feature on Peacock. They just run The Office 24/7. Like I I would pay for something that did that with Breaking Bad. I just want to turn it on and be given the content. I don't want to have to pick an episode to watch, you know? Yeah, that's how I feel about Bake Off. Like, if I just also, if I need something to have on in the background, I'll just put on a random episode of Bake, Bake Off and watch that, too. Oh, who said? Somebody said It's Always Sunny. That's a good one, too. And there's so many oh, seasons. Shane. God, I love that show because it makes me feel better about myself watch because yeah, i'm like these are people. <laughs> horrible people <laughs> and it just it makes me like i don't suck that much <laughs> one other piece of entertainment news if you uh, are interested in the grammys at all like i am every year you won't be able to watch them at the end of the month originally they were scheduled to air on the 31st of january but they've been pushed back due to the rise in covid cases it's really bad out in LA and um they probably made the best decision ever to uh cancel it. So now they've removed the ceremony to the 14th of March and we'll see how it goes. Um personally, I I don't know if they're going to regroup or what. It kind of sounds to me like they're still trying to do some kind of in-person show but with a smaller audience. I don't think that's a good idea. If the Emmys could do a remote ceremony, then the Grammys sure as heck can. So we'll see if they they decide to do that in the end, because I, I don't know if there's going to be much of a difference in climate between no. now and in March. You no. Know? Two months from now. No. Just make it remote. Sing over Zoom. Yeah. What a good uh, opportunity too to uh, maybe rent out some small music venues that have been struggling because there's no concerts and just have like performers broadcast oh, from yeah, different that's a good places. Idea. It's a great mm -hmm. idea. They talk about wanting to support the arts. Practice what you preach. Yep. All right. Before we wrap today's episode, we have a final word from one of our sponsors, Rothy's. Make your mark in the new year with comfortable, washable, and sustainable shoes and bags from Rothy's. Rothy's makes shoes and accessories out of plastic water bottles. To date, they've transformed over 70 million bottles into beautiful shoes, handbags, and face masks. Pam and I have been wearing our Rothy's flats faithfully for a couple of years now, and these things really wear like iron. On top of that, and the fact that they're machine washable, my purple Rothy's are the most adorable flats I've ever owned. And they're available in an array of styles, colors, prints, and patterns, so there's something for everyone. Check out all the amazing shoes, bags, and masks available right now at rothys.com slash M-I-L-L. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash M-I-L-L. Style and sustainability meet to create your new favorites. Head to rothys.com slash M-I-L-L today. So y'all may have noticed we 
tried to start embedding recommendations within the episode. But I think, Pam, did you make one? I don't think we talked about it on the show. So uh, I'll just recommend uh, Pixar Soul if you haven't seen it yet, because I really enjoyed that. And we didn't get to uh, review it for time. So yeah. that was really good. Yeah. Yeah, I liked that. Uh, Wonder Woman, though, do not recommend that. Yeah, I didn't think it was very yeah. good either. So I was in the minority. Uh, I hated the first Wonder Woman movie. <laughs> I thought it was trash. So when I started hearing that this one was trash, I was like, well, I'm not surprised. First one was garbage. It became about wishes. And that's when I was like, all right, I'm checked out of this movie. I just don't care anymore. Um, <laughs> oh, well. But Soul was very good, like you said, Pam. So check that one out. Okay, so thank you, everybody, for tuning in to our Season 7 premiere. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form on millennialshow.com. Don't forget, we have our confessional there as well. Also, follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Coming up in After Dark today, we are going to call one of our listeners. And then, uh, Laura, you had this idea about some questions going around on TikTok. Yeah, so there are trends on TikTok where you can ask a question and then people can um, stitch your video and then answer the question. And I've just found these to be really good questions that elicit some really funny, sometimes deep, very poignant responses. And I thought it was a good way to start out the new year, learning something new about cool. each other. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Well, thank you again, everybody, for tuning in. We really appreciate your support and your listenership over the years. Another season of Millennial, even though I hate seasons, saying we should have we have we have seasons for some reason. I'm You've very been excited. Complaining about that for years. I know, I know, and, and I think yet, it drives Laura crazy. I know, but <laughs> you keep you, like you don't change it. What do you mean? What am I supposed to do? Well, I mean, but this se is... seasons are like the cool new thing for podcasts. Yeah, Everybody's doing exactly. Seasons now. And we were doing it before Ahead anybody else curve. was doing it. What? But seasons imply <laughs> like it's a radically different show. There's plot twists. There's murders. We didn't murder. I tried to murder you guys with my poisonous cookies. <laughs> it didn't work. Six. It didn't work. And uh... see, okay, here's here's a change. I'm going to be, here's what's new in season seven. I'm going to be a plant daddy. Here's my there you first go. plant. I'm aspiring. Plant daddy. Yeah to become a plant daddy i don't know how to end the show now but thanks everybody for listening i'm andrew i'm laura and i'm pamela we'll see you next time goodbye bye